Hi, welcome to Life and Application. I'm your host, Jay Huey, and this is my co-host, Jason Bierke. Um, last week, we went a little bit over, you know, a couple little offshoots from what we're talking about, but one of the things I want to go a little bit deeper in this week is, because um, it comes up quite often, especially when you're talking to someone who's trying to disprove your faith, is how do we know the Bible's true? But to take it one step further, like, how do we know the New Testament's true? Because it's written in a language that, the people who actually wrote it, you know, they were, were they actually using that same language or were they using a different text or was it converted really early or, you know, can you go into a little depth on that? Yeah, so, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. So the New Testament was written in Greek. The <clears throat> the New Testament writers wrote in Greek. They, they probably spoke Greek as well. Uh, you know, we talked about the Hellenization of the known world through Alexander the Great and Greek was the predominant language of the day. There is some thought that um, maybe an early uh, text of Matthew may have been written in Aramaic, but the, the entire New Testament was written in Greek. Matthew wrote Greek. People could read Greek. Um, it was the common poor man's Greek. It wasn't the rich philosopher's Greek. So it would be something that everybody would know and understand. But, but how do we know that because as books are translated, or mm-hmm. not even translated, let, let me back up. As as the Bible was scribed over and over and over, you know, so this, we've all played the game of telephone. You know, like, so yep. a perfect example is, you know, we have five people in the room and we whisper one thing, by the time it gets to the end, it's going to be something different. So I understand that when, when Matthew was writing his book of Matthew, he was inspired of God and writing God's word. But mm-hmm. Who's to say that the guy who wrote it the next time, he's not inspired by God. Matthew was right. the one inspired That's right. by God. Yeah, and so, you know, this, you know, when, when we talk about the inerrancy, infallibility of Scripture, we're talking about the original manuscripts were inspired. We're not saying that translations have been inspired, even though people will falsely claim that. It's the original manuscripts, the original text was inspired, but we know that we have a, um, a copy of that that is accurate. And, and this is how we know. So there's basically three things that people look at when they test um, like a, a manuscript or a document from antiquity, right? And that's why I kind of wrote some of these down. First one is the time span between when the original work was written and the earliest copy of the manuscript, okay? Second one is the number of copies that that we have. And then the third one is the accuracy of the copies. Now, if you think back, you maybe learned this in school or you read it somewhere, you know, there was a philosopher who was named Plato. Correct. And you know, he lived, you know, in the 5th century BC, and his greatest work in most people's opinion was called The Republic. Okay? Okay. And so that was written in 427, maybe, you know, sometime around then, B.C. The earliest copy that we have is from 900 A.D., so 1,200 years. Okay? Guess how many existing manuscripts of that we have? Three. Close. Seven. Why don't you grab that chair over there? I I, uh, want to just demonstrate something. For you and for everybody that's uh, tuned in, three, four, five, 
six, seven. So there you go. Hang on to that. Look at that. You know, set it down when you're done. That is the number of existing manuscripts that we have for Plato. And when was the last time that you heard someone call into question Plato's writings or the Republic wasn't written by Plato or it's worthless because, you know, the earliest manuscript that we have is 1,200 years. That's a long time. 1,200 years, you know, but, you know, before the ones that we have. Have you ever heard that? No, but, I mean, it's also the work of Plato compared to a religion. I understand. You're, you're, you're right. definitely talking a little bit different. So guess what the accuracy rating on Plato's work is? I'll tell you. Yeah, right. I have no idea. It's so low that they just gave it, ready for this, a dash. They don't, it's just so low we don't even know. And it is super low. All right. The number two ranked you know, work of antiquity is by Homer. It's called the Iliad. And that was written in 900 BC. Our earliest copy is 400 BC, so 500 years, you know, between. And we have 643 manuscripts. All right. So, well, like, well, hold on one minute. Okay. Just to break it down, when when you say manuscripts, what 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 do you mean when you say manuscripts? Portions of either you know portions of the writing, like. They, they'll have like... Um, like I found a book, a portion of the book over here and a portion of the book over right. there. Okay. Yeah. So let me show you what, what I like demonstration. So this would be, these two books represent Homer. Okay. Right? So if you put it next to Plato, you can see that there's a pretty big difference. Right. And this right? was a dash. So what's the accuracy on this? 85%. So 85. Right. And there's 643 manuscripts. Okay, so here, just move this one out of the way, right? And here's, here's Homer's, you know, Iliad. Now let's talk about the New Testament. All right, the New Testament. So that was written between 50 A.D. and 100 A.D. at the latest. Most, most people say 95 A.D., so a span of 45 years. Our earliest fragment that we have is from about 115 A.D., right? It's called P52. It's the John Ryland's manuscript on that, Okay. A little side note, University of Michigan had it in their library for a while. Of course they did. Right. Right. Okay, so less than 100 years, and guess how many manuscripts in Greek that we have? 100. Okay. 5,686. I was a tad off. Tad off. So, let's put that into perspective, okay? So, one page, one page represents one manuscript, okay? So, here's... Here's the New Testament. And I was wondering why I brought all these books in, but now I see. And this is just the Greek. There's 19,000 other languages, Coptic, Syriac, um, Latin, on top of this. So there's a total of close to 25,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. And to give you an idea, the accuracy is 99.5%. Now what that means is that we can have 99.5% confidence that we've recreated the original, the original text. Now just to kind of put it in perspective for you, you've not seen this. I will put this up um, on a screen so that the people at home that are watching this can see it. This is close to what Homer's 
um, Iliad would be of 85%. So this thing here is 83%. Okay? So there's some letters that are missing in this phrase. Okay? And the New Testament Greek, when they wrote it, they had no spaces. So everything was just jumbled together. Okay? And there's no commas or anything. So if you figure it out, go ahead, grab it, take a look at it, sound it out. You want a million dollars. You want a million dollars. How long did that take you to figure out? Just a couple seconds. Okay, now that's 83%, right? Right. So let's take a look at this one is not this one is 94.4%. So it's still less than a 99.5%. Okay. And remember you've not seen these. Right. So he's not seen these, okay? Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever. There you go. All jumbled together, and you were able to recreate that. Yes. Okay. So is there any chance the original Matthew was written in 40 AD? Okay. Um, that when the they rewrote it, that they changed it then, and then it was only copied all the way from there. So here's how we know that the, while that is you know, possible, it's not probable because they didn't just do one copy, right? So they would have made 50 copies of Matthew and okay. sent it around everywhere, right? Now, unfortunately, we don't have the original manuscripts. And the reason why is that once they got really, really, really bad, they burned them, okay? And I know it sounds convenient. I get it. I admit that, right? It's, it's convenient. But that's what they did. They, they destroyed... <clears throat> And so you take those 50, right, and you look at them and you put them together and you can be 99.5% confident that you've, from a mathematic side point, because there's something that God promised that he would preserve his word, right? That's a spiritual application, but from a mathematical application, we can have 99.5% confidence. So basically, we could say that Regardless of how you feel about the Bible being inspired by God, the Bible being an accurate history book that has not been corrupted or misrepresented over time is 99.5% confidence in that. That's right. You know, I always tell people there's two different things here, right? You know, agreeing that the Bible is intact, is, is accurate, hasn't been changed is one thing. Choosing to believe it is another thing. Correct. And, and, right. And, and that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And, you know, there's things that people always try to prove the Bible wrong. You know, in the Old Testament, they're like, oh, well, you know, the Bible says that the walls of Jericho fell, you know, outward. You know, that never happens. They always fall inward and there's no Jericho. Right? Well, in like 1910, they excavated a city and they found that it was Jericho and they were shocked. Guess what they found? That the walls fell outward. The walls fell outward. So time and time again, you know, the... The history of the Bible, geography, people that's mentioned, you know, it's may have taken some time, well, but it's always been shown to be right. What, what I'd like to ask then, and not that we're ever trying to disprove other religions, that, that, that's not our goal here. Our goal here is to light the path. But just for curiosity, what is the authenticity of other books that are used in other religions? When I tell people, you know, this is why I follow the Bible, right? 
I don't have to go into why, you know, you're wrong to say that that you followed, you know, Hinduism, right? The, the, the biggest trick in debate is I don't have to prove I'm right if I can prove you're wrong, right? Because then people will just, you know, normally assume that I'm right. And so all I have to do is prove that I'm right. And now if you want to make a defense for Hinduism, now it's over to you. So now you have to give a defense of why you follow Hinduism, why you believe that those writings are, you know, not only inspired, but have been unchanged over the course of history. It's not for me to disprove, it's really for you to prove. Right. So I'm going to ask you a question because the whole point of our podcast is uh, about how to put it in application. So yep. if someone was to come up with you, would your first question to them be, are you talking about the authenticity of the Bible? Or my faith in the Bible, or how would you, if someone came up to you and goes, you know, the Bible's not even accurate. I mean, it was written by man, so it's going to be, you know, if man writes it, man's flawed. It's inherently going to be messed up over time. How do you turn that conversation? Because you know where they're going. Right. How, how do we turn that to the application part of? I don't want to argue with the person because that does no good. You know, right. how do we turn that? So usually, I try to ask. You know, and clarify what their question is. You know, are you saying that that you feel that there's you know errors in the Bible? Are you feeling saying that you feel that the Bible's been changed? Are you saying you know wh- where are you really coming from? Are you asking why I follow it? Because a lot of times people will say you know since man is capable of error, he will, and they use that and apply that to when we translate the scriptures. Man mm-hmm. translates and man's capable of error, so he will. So I ask them, well, if man's capable of error and you made that statement, is it possible that your statement's wrong? And they would have to agree, yes. And I would say, okay, well, if you can point to an error in the Bible, we can talk about that. And they always say the same thing. Well, there's tons of them. And so I always say, I'd be glad to see one of them. Right. Do you think, though, people get confused with mistakes or things because there are so many different translations out there and you know they're going well the bible i grew up on and like if you grew up on you know the nlt compared to the king right. Version, you'd be like no no it's you know and i've heard things about you know different translations they didn't call mary a virgin or whatnot you know i never researched that or i, I know looked isaiah that, 7 14 i i know um and then the, just a side note the interesting thing about that is that you know the word alma a-l-m-a-h can, can be translated either maiden or virgin but here's the thing to remember, right? You can be an old virgin, right? Yes. You can't be an old maiden, a young woman. So the picture they were painting for Mary was that she was a young woman who was a virgin, right? She's about 15 years old and she was a virgin. What word do you use? Alma. That's the one that they used to talk about Mary. Yeah, and remember, when people ask you these questions about the Bible, you know, why do you believe it, why do you follow it, you know, we have an opportunity to either get defensive or ask a probing question. You know, that's, hey, that's a great question. What, what prompts you to say that? See, and that's the key. Right. It's that humility. Yes, yeah, dig that, deep. Right. It's the, I, I will answer you biblically, I will answer you scripturally, but I'm going to come at you with a soft tongue. Yeah, because... The, Okay, there's things that are in the Bible that are really hard to accept, right? Just logically. Right. And we have to admit that. Jonah in the belly of a whale. That's right. 
or you know the the the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Where, where did that go? I just went up to heaven. It's in heaven now. How did it get there? Well, God must have just taken it up. Well, that's convenient, right? Right. I admit it. But my point is, is that if I can demonstrate that the Christian faith is a reasonable faith, it's not, you know, it's it's based on, you know, intellect. An intellectual person could say, based on the scientific application of, you know, evaluating manuscripts, right. the, the New Testament. To this, to this. Yeah. It's a reasonable faith. And people are willing to, you know, they would say, well, I, I, I never knew that. Right. And I, I, I've had the same Keep opportunity reading. where I've asked people, well, I'm like, shoot me a question. And I've used you many times. So, like, I have people at work that are constantly, and, and we like to argue. A couple of people I have at work, and I'm like, shoot me a question. I go, I might not know the answer. I go, but I'll, I'll get you the answer. Yeah, we don't have to have the answer to everything. Right. We just want to point them in the right direction. Get them to read the Bible. You know, and you know, one of the things that I always like to ask people is, you know, you know, if I can answer your questions the way that, you know, successfully and, you know, to your satisfaction, are you cons- would you consider following Christ? Because if they've, you know, had their mind made up, no, I'm just trying to make you look stupid, they're like, well, there's no point in really engaging that conversation. Right. Right. But if they're like, yeah, I'm... I'm just really curious about this. And, you know, then we have the opportunity. But I think we'll find that if we probe the question, you know, hey, that's a great question. Why, why are you, you know, what made you think that? Or, you know, where'd you come to that conclusion? They'll share something with you. You know, and a lot of times just misinformation, right? Right. And, and, and that's why I was wondering about the different translations of the, I mean, because, like, I have the Bible app on my phone. Yeah. And, you know, you, there's, there's a ton of different translations that you can read the Bible. There app. are. And... I like some more than others, but one thing we need to remember is that when you translate from Greek to English, right, you're going to lose something. You know, just like, you know, when Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? You're like, why did he ask him three times? Well, there's, you know, different words for love in the Greek language that you can't translate outside of just love, right? So we miss something, right? And a lot of times when you do these different translations, especially like, a modern translation, one that tries to give, you know, put color around some of those words, they'll they'll translate it in, in a way so that the reader can understand. Just like what they did in uh, in Africa, there's no snow, so they didn't say your sins will be, you know, white as snow. They said it'll be white as wool from a sheep, right? So they got that. That made the picture for them. Right. Right. And, and, and like I tell you when, um, you know, when we're talking about like what Bible translation, I'm like, Whichever one works for you. Whichever one you're going to read. Right. Cause, I mean, and understand. Right. Because um, my goal now is to read a different translation every year. It does open it up to reading it just a little bit different. Yeah. And that's just a personal goal on mine. My oh. devotions are done with the same version. This is just my my extra on top of my devotions. I have a, a Bible that, a version that I read out of, and then I have a one that I study out of. Right. Those are different. Correct. Yep. So, um, uh, Thank you very much, Jason. Yeah. I, re- I, I really like... This is a great example. Like, I would have never thought we'd go from seven pages to two books to, you know, a bunch of books. So, I mean, that... Yeah, and no that, one that questions... That really shows the authenticity different. And no one questions the other two. No. You know, their authenticity. Right. right? No one says that, you know, the Iliad's been changed a bunch of times and the Republic's been changed a bunch of times or, you know, Homer didn't really even write it. They just accept it. 
Because there's enough evidence specifically for the Iliad that we can trust it. And there's even more for the New Testament. But thanks for the great question, Jay. And I know that other people have had that same question. So hopefully this um, provides some help. And remember, in everything we say and do, should light the path to Christ. Have a great night. And see you next week. See ya.